You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Before he knew it, he was, it said that he went to 16,000 feet in his lawn chair. Now, Larry took with him the essentials. He took, uh, he took his BB gun, because he thought when he gets to a certain height, he'll pop the balloons. Uh, he took a sandwich, and he took a carton of beer. And... <laughs> uh, and that's his three things that he took, and, and off he went. Now, at, at this level, what happened to Larry is as he was going up, he, he freaked out. He didn't know what to do, and he was scared to pop the balloons. And so all he did, he just ended up just cracking a beer and just going with it. Now, there was a pilot going past at this time, and they witnessed what they thought to be a man in a chair flying through the sky. Now, this was Larry, and he, at this time, he was unconscious. Um, and so what happened to Larry's adventure was he ended up in the air for 14 hours uh, in which he was rescued. Uh, and I love it because it said uh, that the Federal uh, Aviation Administration were not amused and they didn't know what law that he broke, but that he had to be fined. Um, and so when they came to Larry, Lawn Chair Larry, and they began to talk to him, uh, they said, Larry, why did you do it? And he said... A man can't just sit around. He said, a man can't just sit around. And when I was reading that story, I felt very, very challenged. And I, and I guess it provoked me uh, with my faith. And I think the same way uh, it can do that today. You see, although Larry was crazy, and we're not going to get all into launch, uh, get into the chairs and, and shoot into the sky, Larry was a man on a mission. A mission that took him out of his comfort zone and into a place of action, no matter what the cost. Now, I believe as disciples of Jesus, as learners, we have been given the greatest mission on earth, the Great Commission, to go to get, like Larry, out of our comfort zone, out of our everyday life, and to tell the world about the kingdom uh, and about Jesus. And so... Uh, this, is, I guess, is how I've been, been challenged. But uh, you see, in, in, when we read the Gospels, and, and I hope I don't share too much Scripture with you today, because I, I love the Bible and I love the Word of God, and, and I really believe that it's alive and active and wants to speak to each of us every day. But in Matthew 28, Jesus says, he gives us this great commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. And he says this, he says, this isn't just something that can be negotiated. This isn't a mission that we can think about. He, go, he doesn't say go when you've figured it all out. He says, I want you to go as a disciple. I want you to go as a learner. And I want you to help other people follow me. I want you to create more learners of me. I want you to go on this mission. And like Larry, he wants us to go out of our comfort zone. He wants to, us to be people that are sent. So if you're taking notes tonight, maybe you're taking them in your head, uh, or maybe you're taking them on the phone, uh, I'm just simply calling this, this message that, uh, here we go, that we are people, uh, we are sent people. Um, and so I'm going to be opening up, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, I saw there was a few Bibles. Um, uh, I'm going to be opening up a, a small passage in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, and, and in this passage, uh, it just gives us, I guess, this practical example of, of what Jesus is, is saying we are as his disciples in the world. And so if you've got that, 
I'll start reading now. It will be on the screen if you don't. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He says that you are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it on a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Now, uh, in, chapter Matthew, in Matthew 5, we see uh, Jesus doing the Sermon on the Mount. And he's just talked us through uh, his Beatitudes, uh, where, he, where he talks about blessed be those, uh, maybe that are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Um, and, and then he begins to talk about who we are as we represent uh, him in this world. Uh, but the thing I love about this is the first thing he does is he says that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. He doesn't go, hey, sometimes you're going you're to shake some salt. Sometimes you're going to do this, or sometimes you're going to shine the light. He says, this is who you are. He's calling deep into not just what we do, uh, the mission for the kingdom of God, but at the roots, who we are, his people, and who is he is as our God. The term salt of the earth begins to paint a picture of our identity and relationship as sons and daughters of God. That, that compels us, that, that, that fuels us to be sent people into the world, to be disciples for his mission, and to outwork our identity and God's promises in his word into our mission. And that's how we start. It's actually understanding that you're a child of God, that you're loved, that you're saved, that you're accepted, that you're chosen, that you, that you are loved and forgiven. And it's from that place that we serve, from nowhere else. And that, that, that identity that, that he's talking about here and in being his people is our motivation in our heart uh, to love those around us. But then he continues on. And he says... And he begins to look at what it looks like practically in this world. And he goes, this is what it's going to look like. I, want, I believe God, uh, he said he wants to use your disciples uh, to give the, the world an opportunity to taste and to see the kingdom of God. Now when we think of salt, it may make you nervous because it raises our, our blood pressure. Um, but the, the reality of salt is it has a whole heap of, whole heap of uses, right? Uh, and so when we look at this practically, Jesus is saying that, that one, uh, salt uh, was used to preserve, uh, that we know. It was used to preserve back then they didn't have refrigerators, they didn't have ice machines, unfortunately. Uh, and so uh, they would put salt around food uh, to preserve it, to, to stop it from decaying. Uh, the reality is that we live in a world of so much darkness, in a world that, that is decaying, uh, in a world that we need to bring the life uh, and the light of Jesus into. Uh, the, the second thing is salt is used to uh, bring flavor. Um, that, that we're called to bring the hope of Jesus. That we're called to love. Uh, uh, the love the, our, in our relationships, the love in the way we walk. And the second thing is in, it, in itself is that it's actually called to make us thirsty. And as we are, are, are salty Christians, 
that, that we will uh, encourage and that we will push people hungry, that will be hungry for Jesus. Um, but, but when I think about these things, when I think of all these three things, and, and theologians are like, pick a card, any card, you can talk about any of them. Uh, instead of talking about one, I actually just want to say that uh, really, really, really the deep of it, the simplicity of it in, in Christian surfers as well, is the fact that we just look different. That, that's the reality of it. That, that as, as disciples, as people that love Jesus, we just look different to the world. And now there's, there's two verses that I just want to quickly shoot past as, as sort of formed my thought behind this. And, it, and it's these two. And you, you'll know them. Oh yeah, I like that picture. Hey, how good is that? Might get that tattooed. No, I won't. Um, Romans, Romans 12 too, it says this. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Accompanied right next to that, we see, uh, I, love, I love John 13, 35. But all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This tells me that we are not to conform to the world, but we are to be in the world. We are not to conform to the world, but we are to love the world. Not, not the ways of the world, but the people that are in it. And, 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 that's, and that's, I guess, how we are called to be different. We are called to be set apart. That as Christians, we live differently. We show the love of Christ from Monday to Friday. Uh, by the way we serve the way we work, by the way we love our boss, by the way we open our homes, by the way we use our time, by the way we speak, the way we act, by the way we listen. The world is watching and we're called to be different. We're called to look different. We're called to be set apart. Not, now, now, not to be carried with the culture, but to live in such a way that provokes people to ask, What's different about these guys? What do these guys have that I, that I don't? And like Jamie in a video we're about to watch, uh, these guys have something different. Uh, this is a story of, uh, of a guy in Christian surfers. Uh, and, and this is the result of when we as disciples uh, look differently. So if you just turn your heads, the ladies, I think I can't do that. Uh, that one just plays. Me and my dad were um, mowing a lawn on a ride on lawnmower and this particular day my dad put me on the front of that lawnmower and my dad turned right and I fell left and when I was uh, five years old, me and my dad were um, mowing a lawn on a ride on lawnmower and this particular day my dad put me on the front of that lawnmower and my dad turned right and I fell left and, and my arm went under that lawnmower. So I was like in and out of hospitals from the age of like five to the age of 12. And I guess my lowest point was trying to deal with the way I looked in high school, you know, because I hated it. I hated looking like a freak. I hated looking different. And in high school, they're the, they don't hesitate, I guess, in um, pointing out that you're different. And I hated that. My low point was trying to deal with um, who is Jamie Coyle? Um, is he a freak? Is he? Um, what this looks like ugly and a mess. When I was um, 11 years old, I was, I was sexually abused and um, 
I guess that added into that desire to kind of work out who, who am I, you know, like who, who, who is Jamie? Um, yeah. The way I, I pursued fulfilment was in trying to trying to be something. Um, and so when I when I was 16, I started surfing, kneeboarding, um, and uh, I fell in love with the sport. And all of a sudden, I started to find a culture that would accept me if I did that, that did my craft really well. And so that's what I did. I just invested myself so much in that sport, and you know, and I, I thought this is where life would be. I thought this is how I'd find my happiness in surfing. And, in the right car that would fit in in that culture, parting in that culture. But I would lay on the pillow at night and still feel crap about myself. When I was 20 years old, I met a bunch of guys that they loved surfing, they loved having heaps of fun, they loved doing dumb stuff, but um, they had something different about them. You know, they didn't care whether they had the right clothes, they didn't care whether they wore the right, uh, had the right board, had the right girl had the right amount of money, they, they, they had something different and the more I hung out with them, the more I realised they, they had one by the name of Jesus Christ and that's what Christian surfers were, they, they showed me a real and a true and an authentic picture of who Jesus is and that he would say to me, Jamie, I love you for who you are, not for what you do, Jamie, I can take your brokenness, I can turn it into something incredible. And the Christian surfers played a huge role in me coming to grips with that and encountering this Jesus. Good. Who wants to go for a surf? We can stop there. We can head down to Burley, get the boards. It'll be good. How, how powerful is that story, eh? How powerful is it to be uh, the salt uh, in, in our Burley community uh, and, and in our world? That we aren't to conform to the patterns of this world, but we are to look different. We are to live different. We're to preserve the world in times of decay. We're to bring the love and hope of Jesus as flavor to the people around us to make them thirsty for the living water that Jesus supplies to us. That's, that's what it looks like to be the salt in uh, as a Christian. It looks like to be a salty Christian. But the question I have to ask you guys is, is this. Does your life look different to the world around you? Does your life, personally... And I, like for me, when I'm sitting and I'm listening to someone, they actually say that when someone says, as I wrap up, 64% of people come back to life. So I'm just going to say that. Uh, no, you're all awake anyway. Now, when I, sit in the, when I sit in the pew and I listen to a sermon sometimes, I see that on the board, but I don't actually reflect on it myself. Uh, and I let it go by. But I want to ask the question today, does your, look, does your life look different to the people, to the world around you, to the guys that you work with? Uh, to, to, in the way you, you raise your kids, 
to, to the way you use your time and your money? Uh, uh, does it look differently? Um, and, and I know we'll always have things that you go, you know what, it could look more different. You know what, I feel like I'm going okay, or oh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm going, actually today's a good day to start. That I can bring the light and the hope of Jesus in the way that I speak, act, and love uh, in this world. And so the second thing, really practically, I want to talk to you guys about is that we are light shiners. Uh, that's going to be the other tattoo of it, the, the light cycle here, right there. Um, now that we are, we are light shiners. And so uh, that, I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, I was um, pretty scared of the dark. Um, I kept it a secret. Sometimes I think I am still scared of the dark. Uh, is anyone else, is anyone, was anyone scared of the dark growing up? Yeah, good. There's some honesty here. Uh, and you knew like when mom or dad told you to do the bin run, oh, it was all on, right? You, you, you open the door and you're just lining it up and you know, and you know, oh, it's like a sense of light and you know you've only got so much time. Um, uh, but you know there's all sorts in the dark, right? And, and this one particular day, uh, the, it doesn't happen as much now, but uh, the power went out to the house, right? And when the power goes out, uh, mum goes, gets the candle and she puts the candles up and, and dad will put the radio on and I don't know why we put the radio on, but we put the radio on in case the world's ending and, um, and, uh, and uh, we're just hanging out and I've got three older brothers and so uh, it's always a lot of fun, but I've got to up my game, you know, because I'm the youngest. And so this one particular day they said, hey Adam, can you go, uh, can you go get your joke book? Because we are getting a bit bored because it was dark, no TV, nothing going on. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, awesome, it'll be funny. But then automatically in the back of my head I think, oh no, like my joke book's uh, on the top bunk, because uh, I would bunk beds, everyone has bunk beds, that's awesome. And on the top bunk, uh, there's no light in there, right? And everyone knows that on the top bunk, that's where the monsters are, right? People think, I'm going to check under the bed. No, you've got to check the top bunk, all right? That's where it's at. And, and so I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep it internal, cool, calm. I'm going to get the candle and I'm going to come and I'll walk in. And as I'm walking, I'm walking towards my room and, uh, and you hear like, a, you see like a shadow and you're like, ah! But it's just like the tree or something and you keep on going and, and, and I get into the room and I put the, the, the light down, the candle, and it's, it's looking strong. And, uh, and as I look up, I see the top bunk and it's just ages away. And so I'm just climbing, uh, which feels like forever. And uh, I get to the top bunk, and what I didn't realize was that the window was open. Yeah, right? Uh-oh. Okay, that's not good. And so I see my joke book, and I grab onto it, and as I do that, I turn around, and the light just it goes out, and I'm just in pitch black, right? I'm like, oh no. And so I turn to panic zone. I think there's this uh, piece of the bunk that's supposed to be there that's going to help me get down, and it's not there. And so when I go to grab it, I miss and I fall from the top bunk. And as I do it, my silk boxer shorts get caught on the top bunk. <laughs> and, and, I, and I fall and I'm just suspended in midair, just with a massive wedgie, right? Can't do anything, couldn't move. And, and, and I'm yelling, help, help, help. Um, and which then my brothers came in and thought it was pretty funny um, and, and gave me a hand. Now, uh, the reason I tell you this story uh, is uh, because in, in the absence of light, uh, we see a distorted picture of the truth, right? In the absence of light, uh, we don't see things as they are, right? There's, there's so much uncertainty. There's so much unknown. 
and, and we can't actually make sense of, of truly what's, what's happening uh, in the room. And for me, I thought something was there when, when it actually wasn't. Uh, and the reality is, in this world, uh, there is so much darkness. There is so much darkness and there's so much unknown. Uh, and the reality of Jesus, uh, uh, the, the absence of Jesus means we receive a distorted picture of ourselves. The absence of Jesus means we have a distorted picture of, of what, maybe what marriage would look like or, or, or what, how we should treat people or, or how women should be treated or how people should be used. And, and we begin, this darkness begins to distort the, the truth of what actually is uh, to be in this world. Now, again, I'm going to throw you just these two uh, pieces of Scripture that have radically changed my life as a Christian. Uh, and, it's, and the first one is this. This is the reality of the life that we live right now in the world. In their case, and, and it's talking about uh, people that don't know Jesus, the God of this world, and he's talking about, talking about Satan here, says the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In the absence of light, in the absence of Jesus, we see a distorted picture of ourselves. We see a distorted picture of God. Uh, and, and the reality of this is, this shakes me. That so much of the world is blinded from the truth and the life and the hope of Jesus. But do you know what gets me excited? Ask me, what gets me excited? Let me tell you what gets me excited. This right here. This is uh, uh, Saul, as he's about to, uh, he's Saul Paul situation right now, and he's just had this conversion, and, and God's sending him on this mission, right? And uh, <laughs> I believe that this, this mission is one that we're all sent on every single day. And this radically changed my life when I read this. I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. How good is that church that he is sending you as disciples each and every day into your work, into your family, uh, into wherever you may go to open the eyes so that they may see, they may return from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That is incredible. We should be waking up every single morning pleading to God, pleading, God, give me a chance not just to use and be the salt in my actions, but to speak the gospel, to speak your truth, to speak your life into the world, into each and every person that I come across. We should be pleading. I know it's scary, but at the cost of this, at the cost of this, we can change eternities. We can change eternities. And, and, and like we spoke about before is that go and make disciples, go tell people about me, go bring the light of the world into, into this broken place and I'll be with you. And, and, and I'll go with you. That, that as we go on this journey, as we begin to be disciples of Christ, as, as, as we do that mission, that we don't do it alone, but we do it with, with a God who loves us so much. Um, I don't know how much time I've got. How much time have I got? Enough time. Okay. Um, uh, and, and I think when we understand that, when we each understand our role as a disciple, it will radically change this world. It will show the world 
truly the presence uh, uh, and the person of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, there's, there's this uh, person called J.D. Greer, this, this writer, and he says this, Effective gospel preaching is explaining with our words what we demonstrate with our lives. Our works don't replace the verbal preaching of the gospel, but in them we demonstrate tangibly the love and the grace that we proclaim with our mouths. Effective gospel preaching is explaining with our words why we're different. When we're different, when we look different, then we have an, an answer to the hope that we have. Right? We demonstrate it with our lives, yet we give a, a verbal response to what it is and the hope that we have. Uh, a big thing that I love is uh, Red Frogs on the Gold Coast. Do you guys know Red Frogs? Uh, awesome ministry uh, where, we can, where there's a, I think there's like 30 or 40 school leavers that come into the Gold Coast and, and uh, they, uh, they go to party and get drunk and, and to relax and have fun after that stressful year. And uh, there's just a lot of, I guess, a lot of darkness in there. And, and all we, we go in there and we just go there to, to love them, to, to serve them. Uh, to look different. Uh, and and uh, there's this constant question of, of, of why do you do it, you know? And as you, as you get that question why, you begin to be able to explain them why, why you do what you do. This one particular day, we got called to a pretty heavy event. Uh, and um, uh, I'm a chaplain in, in uh, Red Frogs, and so uh, when, when things happen uh, above uh, the, the volunteers that are there uh, that are actually confident with, they'll call us and we'll come and help. Uh, this particular uh, guy, it was a, it was a suicide um, uh, attempt, attempt, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, he, he, we got to the scene and, and he was okay. Uh, his friends were able to grab him before he had gone to, to jump off the balcony. Um, and, and this is a, it's a heavy situation. Uh, but the first thing we do is, as we walk into the building, as we, we actually bring in uh, the peace of God. And so as we walk into the room, uh, we, we are that salt and that light. We're there to, to bring that hope and love of Jesus. And that, that room goes from, from chaos and it, goes, it starts to be calm. Now, even if we know what we're doing, which a lot of the time, sometimes a lot of the time we don't. We're just there to be there, right? Uh, just that presence of God just levels that whole room. This one particular boy, I, I, I then began to sat with him and his mind was just in chaos uh, where, where he was in darkness where uh, in that darkness he couldn't see uh, who he was. Uh, he couldn't see uh, what his life was worth. Uh, and he couldn't see reason for going on. And as I sat with him, I was able to bring the truth of the gospel to him. Uh, I was able to speak into his life that he was fearfully and wonderfully made, that, that, that he is loved, uh, that, that this day right now in his life is just such a small part for the, for the rest of the life that he has to live, right? And, and I was able to not just uh, be there uh, uh, just speaking into his life, but I was there to able to serve him as well. And uh, by the end of um, the time there, uh, we, we, I, I was able to calm him down and we got him to an ambulance. And as he got into the ambulance, uh, I just remember this one thing he said, and it, I guess it changed my life in a sense. He said, uh, if you guys didn't turn up, uh, I wouldn't be alive right now. Uh, and I mean, that, that, that scene is, is a heavy situation, right? And, and it's not one we're all going to walk into on Monday morning. Um, but uh, it shows the powerfulness of God using his disciples and putting them at the right place at the right time 
It shows uh, God uh, bringing his hope and, and his message into, and his light into a dark place. And it, all it took was uh, uh, all the red frogs, or whoever it may be, just saying, yes, God use me. Uh, like Larry, take me out of my comfort zone. Take me out of my comfort zone and take me into the air. Take me out of my comfort zone and use me to change eternities. Use me to change people's lives, to bring the love and hope of Jesus uh, to them. Uh, and so, I, I guess just finishing, I, I have a few questions for you guys. Is, uh, are, you, are you living like Larry? Are we living like people that are sent into God's global battlefield? Um, and, and to those that are around us, do we look different to those, uh, to those that we are with? Um, uh, I mean, one indicator that I have, especially for the gospel, is when was the last time I told someone about Jesus? And I guess that's a really challenging thing for you as well, is when was the last time you told someone about Jesus? Um, uh, when was the last time someone questioned your behavior and go, why do you do that? You know? um, and, and the other thing about this whole context, which I guess for time I didn't cover, but he says that if you put your light under a basket, that's good for nothing. If the salt loses its taste, it's it's good for nothing, right? Uh, and that in life we have constant opportunities to stand up for God and we have constant opportunities to deny Him. And, and so uh, I challenge you in every aspect of your life, look for ways that you can just show Him to the world. Look at ways that you can uh, show Him that, that He is real uh, to them. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm just going to quickly pray. Um, but thank you, thank you for, for, for listening. Um, uh, I just want to say, if, if you're in this room today, and, and I've been talking a lot about discipleship, and, and I guess possi- possibly Christianese words, if you, if you don't know Jesus, is uh, I just want to say that um, Jesus loves you. He wants to be in your life, uh, and it's actually through him that, that we have true life, uh, true salvation, and that we have uh, hope in heaven with God. And so if you don't know God, uh, if you don't know Jesus, I'd love to tell you more about him. And I'm sure a lot of people here would too that you see on the stage. But uh, let me pray and then we'll do some worship. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you call us uh, as disciples to be the salt and the light in the world. Uh, you call us to, to look different, to speak different, Lord. Uh, but really just to outwork our identity to really just to, to be who you've called us to be. Uh, and I pray, Lord, as we go into our Monday this week and as we go into the rest of our week, that, Lord, that we just have at the top of our mind, how can I love? How can I show the world? How can I show the people around me the love of you, Christ? Uh, and how can I encourage them on this journey? Uh, I pray, Lord, for anyone in this room that, that doesn't know you right now and, and uh, Lord, has lots of questions. I pray, God, that, uh, that you are a, a God that loves them, uh, Lord, a God that, that has answers. Uh, and I pray, Lord, if there's any anxiety or pressure there, that it would fall away and that you just help them as they figure you out, God, and, and uh, learn more about you. But, Lord, we just thank you for today and we thank you for this incredible uh, uh, family you've given us here at Burley. And we just pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.